The views and opinions expressed by the producers, hosts, and guests of Flash Black Radio do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Flash Black or its parent company. Listener discretion is advised. We don't need another hero. We don't need to know the way home. All we want is life beyond the Thunderdome. (laughs) Greetings and salutations. Uh, What's up and welcome back for another edition of the shit that you might have missed on Flashback Radio. Bringing in with musical accompaniment by K Savage is me, T Rich. To my left. That's double. I am here. All right, all my. To my right. Lee Bennett the third, aka Da Vinci Parts. And then Christy in the middle. Where's she at? Hey friends. I know we are our view is blocked, but I'ma live. I can see your water bottle. That's not even my water. <laughs> that I've been here for days. For days. Hence the weird condensation because it's hot. So, um, this past weekend on Saturday, uh, Serena Williams did not yet reach her goal of 24 Grand Slams. She lost to Simona. Caleb? Caleb, I think. I think that's her name. Yeah. Won her first Wimbledon, so uh, Nancy Pelosi duck clap for her. Um, but yes, uh, oh. <laughs> so Serena continues her attempts, and we stand behind her. We it's don't waiting. need another hero. It's waiting. Yes. Yeah. We will wait for our queens. Just like we did with Beyonce. I mean, she has not given us a new album officially since Lemonade, but she repurposed and refashioned Coachella. And hey, why not? So, yeah, there were some things you wanted to chat about, yeah, Mr. Parks. Live album, though, I think. Oh, yeah, it's a like, great time. Yeah, a good live album is a, is a good hallmark of a dope artist. Like Erica Badu's live album after she did her first joint and before uh, Mama's Gun, that was that was a dope album. I don't know if I've heard that one. What the live album, really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. Well, That's yeah, the call, Tyrone. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And then yeah. like the Jill, Jill Scott eight twenty six album. If you want to go back, Earth When the Fire's live album, Fire. No pun intended, because Earth When the Fire. But yeah, I think it, like Maxwell had a dope live album, the MTV Unplugged joint. So yeah, I think uh, that that's that's necessary, man. Anyone missing Miss Hill? She didn't have a dope lot. It was very repetitious <laughs> in terms of the musical arrangement of chords that she was playing. I think she's a talented like writer, no doubt. But her guitar playing, you can tell so it stopped growing after she stopped dealing with Wyclef. That would be my assessment on that. But the mystery of iniquity is still lyrically just like dope. Got nothing to say outside of that. Yeah, you're looking at me. Um, I was like actually staring off. I was just thinking about the 
warm air that's 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 lying on my you. skin. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It's either too warm or too cold here, man. I tell you, can't win for losing. Somebody call OSHA. <laughs> call OSHA myself. Shit. Uh, and then this is this is mutual at this point. Uh, so I don't know. There are a few things I wanted to, to discuss. One, I, I wanted to. Uh, I'm just throwing stuff out here. We don't have to talk about this right right now. But uh, I want to one give a shout out to Mr. S Double, who was on his first BlurCon panel this past Friday. Oh, thank you. And he he did his thing. It was a, it was a, basically how blurs incorporate their art into their what they do outside of you know, you know how they speak, how they most do public speaking, like whether you're hosting or you're doing you know, you can explain better. I'm I'm looking at you and you're not looking at me. Okay, um, I was I was doing research. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it, the panel was a spoken nerd, and it was a panel on. Uh, the cross-section between spoken word poetry and nerddom and geekdom. So, so a lot of people talked about how their nerddom impacts their art. Um, and we also talked about, I specifically spoke about the cross-section between improv and poetry um, and how nerddom affects all of it. The panelists um, were uh, myself, uh, Momoto Burmaid, um, I'm going to screw up names. Kenny Carroll uh, and Kenny Ashley. Carroll, Ashley, Ashley Poe. Moderator was uh, Dwayne B, aka the Crochet Kingpin, um, and it was dope. Um, we were like the second panel of the day. We were in the big room. Um, it was like we, let you record in the big room. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We had a uh, we had a dope turnout um, for the panel. Um, it also was a moment for me because I finally felt, uh, published my first book of poetry. Um, and I made it available uh, for Kindle on that day and actually sold a, a few copies. I looked at my reporting the other day and saw that I uh, saw that I had like five purchases. I was like, OK, I was like, we're doing something. That's what's up. Like we're doing a little bit of something. So, yeah, it was good. It was a good day. So one of the things in, in, in seeing the panel and seeing how it was done, there are there are a couple of things. One, I thought Neurocon was dope. I see that there's a lot of potential in it. So I, I, I definitely have some thoughts about it. But um, my goal is hopefully next year sometime just throwing out in the ether uh, or the ethos rather uh, that um, uh, we get like at least one flash black panel for BlurCon next year. That's going to be a goal for me. So that's something we'll have to try to start working towards. I'll start talking with Dwayne B on that one. But uh, should be at least one podcast of us up there, I think. Um, Y'all should just go for the spectacle. It's, it's, It's lovely to see black folk just in their element having fun and just like doing the cosplay and enjoying themselves and yeah I, it was it was dope so for me I, I really i really dug it yeah having been ha- being a being a black nerd uh and having been to a couple of other cons it was good to walk in and as soon as you walk in you're seeing all this dope cosplay but it's all chocolate faces and then it was also good to see um, see some allies in there. And I think that's very important. Like you it's blurred con. It's about inclusion. It's not about exclusion. So it's about representation. So having, you know, the fact that like the majority of the vendors were people of color. Um, and then most of the cosplayers were people of color and like most of the panelists were people of color. But then you saw, you know, 
uh, Caucasian folk in there still doing their cosplay, still supporting the event, still putting their dollars towards the event um, and patronizing the tables and stuff like that. So it, overall, it was a really good experience. Um, I'm definitely going to be at BlurCon again next year. Um, hopefully, I will be uh, a panelist. Um, I am looking to involve myself uh, at scale at BlurCon. So I'm trying to be involved in multiple things um, at BlurCon. Um, things that Dwayne uh, uh, B is doing. Um, I have some other ideas I want to workshop with him. Um, the flash black thing is a thing we could definitely talk about. Uh, I would obviously be a part of that. And then I have some other ideas and stuff I want to do. Really just depends. I don't know what the blur kind of infrastructure is like. So that's really going to be the final determining factor. Uh, excuse me. If, it, if it's even possible to, to do more. But I definitely would like to. Um, representation game was, was on point at BlurCon. And it's only the third year um, that it's been in existence. So I think uh, everybody was saying that the difference between last year and this year was a massive change. It was a massive, there was like a major increase in attendance um, and everything. So it's scaling up and means next year is probably going to be even bigger. Um, so I'm just trying to be a part of uh, promoting my interests in a way that uh, actually feeds our community and our culture, you know. All right, all right. I think we've uh, banged the drum on on BlurCon. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, there, there are definitely some things politics wise that we could talk about. We could talk about like you know certain people being like picked up on sex trafficking charges at the federal level. We could talk about that, although I don't really want to. Um, there's so many things that have like transpired. Well, well which one? Because it's been it a hell be of a Epstein week. Or it could be Epstein, or it could be Robert. I mean, I don't know. Like, is this is this is this the camera? I don't. I don't. Like, I, I don't Starts I don't with the key. I feel like we could just blanket say, you know, it's a bad week for pedophiles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I. Mm, uh, we could. There. There. Are, there are a lot of things. Epstein that we could talk was about. like, I don't. I'm not a flight risk. Pay no attention to this private jet and these diamonds and this foreign passport I have in my safe. <laughs> look the other way. Overlook all that this shit. Fake, this fake foreign passport. Huh. Uh, avert, <laughs> it ain't even real name on that joint. I'm Talk okay to stay here. Mm. Talk about some, I'll give y'all $100 million. No, thank you, sir. Because if you are giving up $100 million, yeah, you got a $100 million stash somewhere. You somewhere. know what I'm saying? Like, we see your Trojan horse and we say no thank you. That's like I lost two dollars in the vending machine at work. Like I want it back, but I ain't stressed over it because I got <laughs> at least two more. <laughs> Shit, I lose a hundred million dollars in the vending machine. First of all, why am I chasing that many snacks? That's the first question. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, why haven't they taken this motherfucker out the kitchen yet? Because clearly it don't work. But also, yeah, no, sir, you ain't fooling nobody. Hundred million. I had seen like I'd seen. It's amazing what like you 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 focus in on. So I was aware of the Epstein thing. I know he has ties to Trump, and Trump is like, yeah, he likes him on the younger side. Blah 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 blah. Also, I've heard that Trump likes him on the younger side. Carrying on, uh, yeah, I, I was not aware. I was not aware of some of these details. So like a hundred million. That that's like he's just volunteering that. That's why would you do that unless you're guilty? Let's talk about the original sin when they. 
when they first reached into the safe and they pulled out girls, new picks on the CDs, just racks and racks and racks and racks and racks of them. I mean, like, that's... Rack, CD bitch, rack, rack, CD bitch. That's ten, the ten, first ten, issue titties, that I think we should all be just discussing. That an actual convicted and registered pedophile did not get rid of his fucking trophies. Because mm. that is what $500 million will buy you. Mm. Okay. And then, of course, Robert. Oh my God. What? Another trophy hunter. 20 tapes turned over. Ooh. I was like, my God. <laughs> Sir. At oh, no you point, heard about that? Yeah. yeah. At no point did you decide to, you know, put the camera down. No, that's what I was thinking because, like they said, it's like his, like his people supposedly turned yes. in a bunch of the tapes. I'm like, you yes, kept recording did. after that? Yeah, and quite frankly, they they I would have acted. I know that, but then quite frankly, you continue to like this means I like I feel like somebody would have to be complicit. Like you like you weren't doing that in a vacuum, yo. It's like if you knew where the tapes were, then yeah, I don't I don't know. That's that's just me speculating. It's purely speculation, but I'm just saying. But also like in both in both cases, it just becomes this thing of like, oh well, you know, I can get away with this. Oh, yeah, I've gotten you, away with it this get away one. With the first time, yeah. You feel you feel invincible. Yeah. Which is the danger of that privilege. And like that privilege is for them is just access, like, you know, although R. Kelly's never been in a bank before, he obviously has money in the bank at some point. Yeah. Who believes that lie? Well, yeah, I'd never been in a bank before. I didn't know people was robbing me. Mm-hmm. I, I, is this the camera? He just told Gail King he was innocent too, so you know. Yeah, so sad he was fighting for my life. 30 years. I've done 30 years of my life. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. Bless his little heart. And uh, little Azriel and whatever the other girl's name is. Mm. I only remember Azriel because wasn't that the cat's name on the Smurfs? It was. Azrael. Yes, it was. Azrael. Yes, it was. Azriel and Gargamel. Yep. That is correct. And I'm yeah. still trying to figure out why her parents thought that was okay, but you know. Well, yeah, like uh, I've I've had many conversations with T. Rich where uh, <laughs> I've heard far worse names that she's seen on birth certificates. So. Hey, there is Dr. Marijuana Pepsi who said, "You know what I'm not doing? I'm not changing my name. I'm going to get this doctorate writing my dissertation on basically something like black names and the issues that they call her name." I don't remember her last name, but her first and middle name is Marijuana Pepsi. And she threw doctor in front of that. And she's like, y'all going to take this. I remember seeing And then that. it's like fucked mad. up because I think her sister's names are something like Lisa and Pam. I'm not mad at Azriel from a black name perspective, but I am mad at Azriel because, I mean, that raggedy ass cat from, I mean, like Gargamel. Mm-hmm. cat, like a. Just pick a better cartoon. And character. That might not have been why where they're they pulling it from. Like Azrael could have had like some biblical inf- um, inflection for some reason. I don't know. It probably does, but yeah. you know what? Pick pick a better minor biblical figure. Go with Smurfette. Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> or don't 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 go with any. No, of them. yeah, no, just, none of those. Just, yeah, okay. But um, yeah, there was a report that they were kicked out of uh, his Trump tower apartment in chicago and they went on the internets today to say that's a lie we still here 
Who got kicked out? Because oh, because one of the apart he has two apartments in Trump Towers, but one is in Asriel name. Oh, you talking about Robert still? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. He'll be in the Trump Tower. Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, see, 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 we gonna keep the tapes because we arrogant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we gonna put a little something, something, something in a little in a little girl name because you know what I'm saying. They might swoop down on you. And what he was probably trying to avoid, real talk, was the IRS. He just didn't know that the FBI, you know what I'm saying, was coming for him. Oh, beloved. <laughs> I, I don't have many words. I don't have many words. I will say that um, we, we have a lot of interesting things going on uh, in terms of uh, there's a lot of uh, political uh back and forth on, on a different level where we got people who are okay i'm i'm gonna express when i because uh, i there, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in terms of infighting with the democrats specifically nancy pelosi and the freshman women uh would be rashida Tlaib, ayanna presley ilhan omar and aoc how, how could i not remember aoc uh and aoc we basically are banding together and saying we're not here for whatever y'all are here for we're here to do this work and um, I think some of the old guard is having some difficulty with how they're going about it. Um, we could talk about that, but we could also talk about like you can walk and chew gum at the same time. And perhaps y'all need to focus on the larger picture, which is uh, getting these these uh, these these clowns out of office. One of them being Lindsey Graham, who is ginning up a lot of, uh, I would say, uh, negative and incorrect uh, vitriol by stating that they are. Um, they hate Israel. They hate uh, they hate America, and so forth and so on. And I feel like language like that, I think, bolsters a specific demographic who might be, you know, feel empowered to do something like harm one of these women. And I don't like it. So um, my concern is specifically for all of them, but specifically for Ilhan Omar, because I feel like they're targeting her the most. Which, uncoincidentally, she happens to be Muslim. So, I don't like that. I don't think it's cool. Um, I think they know what they're doing, and I don't think they care. So, I have a problem with that. So, I just wanted to throw that out there. That's one of possible talking points. In case anybody wants to perhaps jump on that. Well, I just, you know, first of all, Nancy White, I mean, Nancy Pelosi has shown us all that she is Becky's grandma, you know what I'm saying? She is good white people. And the problem with good white people is that they do things like pick on color people and don't even understand why they're doing it. And I think the reality is, you know, these four women got elected on a way different platform than Nancy Pelosi did, you know what I'm saying? And I think that it's almost like, I can't call it infighting because the reality is they have supported Nancy Pelosi, you know what I'm saying, when they need to. Um, They actually voted for her and, you know, got their little progressives, you know what I'm saying, to vote for Nancy when they were doing this whole Speaker of the House bid, you know what I'm saying, what was it, like at the beginning of the year to 2018 or whatever. Um, 
So, I mean, they've supported her when they need to. It's just that they have a position. And, you know, the position that they took was on this immigration bill. Nancy Pelosi tried to make it seem like it was just those four who dissented. But the reality there was the 62 other Democrats Mm -hmm. who also did not vote for the bill. And for her to be singling them out as if them, just those four with their Twitter following were the only four who didn't vote. That's totally untrue. And I think the real deal is Nancy don't actually like the fact that Twitter which is representative of a lot of politically active and voting people, many of whom are younger than she would, you know, care to have to cope with. Because the reality is we got a different agenda than she do. She rich and she about to die. You know what I'm saying? But the reality is the people who voted for AOC, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, and oh, what's the other hand? Ilhan mm-hmm. Omar. They all, you know what I'm saying, represent districts where people are poor, you know what I'm saying, and they are struggling and they are dependent on they are dependent on public works, period. Fuck welfare. These are people who need public roads, public schools. They need all of the things that your tax dollars are supposed to be providing you with to be working because that is what they can afford. You know what I'm saying? And they want the system that is broken, that is not doing anything for them, but is making what people like to call the economy, but it's really just the stock market, which means we're really just talking about the shareholder class. So again, we're talking about the 1%, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Not the 0.01%, but the 1%, you know what I'm saying? Nancy Pelosi represents those interests and she wants the status quo to stay the way it is because she lives good. But these four women and all those other 62 people who didn't vote for that immigration bill represent totally different populations. And the reality is we're not interested in this Bill Clinton, you know, Barack Obama, neoliberal style, you know what I'm saying, backroom. We pretend to be friendly towards poor and marginalized community interests. But what we're actually doing is selling you short because, you know what I'm saying, you know, and on on the same note, you know what I'm saying, you know, a whole bunch of people came out and yes, they had some fucked up ass reasons probably why they started this pack. But a whole bunch of people came out and said, no, we don't want this library over here in the south side of Chicago, not because we hate Barack Obama, but because you're about to take a whole bunch of public land that you done sold to a nonprofit entity who's actually going to act as a private landlord. You know what I'm saying? And you take all this public land, giving it away for cheap. And not only that, but you're going to bring the kind of development, you know what I'm saying, to this place with this library that's going to actually displace the very residents. So while people are talking about, oh, can't the south side of Chicago have nice things? You know what I'm saying? No, it can't because, you know what I'm saying? We've seen what that agenda looks like already. We've seen what community development looks like. You know what I'm saying? We've seen what Nancy Pelosi's idea of help for poor people and disenfranchised people looks like. And ain't nobody buying that shit because nobody's actually getting better. Okay, so I want to actually transition and I don't want to necessarily jump off this. Um, I want to throw this out there and like, t did you have anything you want to add to that? Because I just want to throw something out. Because, Christy, I want to get your, your perspective on something. t or Slim, did you have anything that you want to add to that before? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, so I'm speaking for Slim. <laughs> <laughs> I can't put my glasses aren't on. I can't see. Uh, he just. I feel like he's just looking at me. I don't know. Yep. Um, so there has been a lot of skepticism from what I understand. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to couch my language um, from what I understand with regard to the existing constituents of one Mayor Pete Buttigieg, because while he does look like the wonderkind in terms of like how he handles himself on the national stage 
and, and, and how he seems to be able to respond to questions and, and things of that nature. And because of his background, it seems appealing in a lot of levels. But according to a lot of the black constituents, they don't feel like they're getting that 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 what what is being sold, basically, that bill of goods that's being sold. So it kind of speaks to what you were just saying in terms of there's supposed to be this development that's happening, but the black constituents aren't feeling it. The people who are like on the lower part of the totem pole aren't feeling or seeing that that development is happening elsewhere. So um, those are the people you need to be listening to, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so some dude trying to talk to you. Right. And he's telling you, like, hey, girl, you know, I'm just trying to, like, be with you and, you know, trying to build, Mm -hmm. you know, hotels always trying to build. They've been building since the 90s, you know, just trying to, like, take this to the next level because they always, always take you to the next level as well. Meanwhile, he got like a slew of of women who's saying, like, he ain't shit. He ain't shit. Let me tell you why he ain't shit. And they have evidence to say why he ain't shit. But meanwhile, he's like, nah, don't pay them no attention. They crazy. Listen to what I'm telling you now. That's who Pete is. Mm, Okay. And that is why I am unimpressed. Okay. I'm, I'm totally unimpressed and I would add you know just like Nancy Pelosi showed us what a good white woman she is you know what I'm saying Pete, Pete Buttigieg wants to show us repeatedly all the receipts are there for how he's just another good white gay man you know what I'm saying who quite frankly is skating on his progressiveness off of his gayness but we should mm-hmm. not confuse the two because you could be very white very gay male and very misogynistic and very, very classist and very racist mm-hmm. And that doesn't, that's not something that people, I, I think we're at an, an, an interesting like uh, point in time where like, you know, because we have come so far with regard to the politics and how we view people of the LGBTQQIAP. Did mm-hmm. I get that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Queer and questioning, right? Mm-hmm. Boom. All right. I only, only need one time to get it. Uh uh, yeah, I I think uh, we're evolving in terms of how we uh, handle that or whatever. And I think sometimes like we don't necessarily want to perhaps look at things in a certain way because we don't want to feel like we're being a particular way. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm trying to. Right. But it's just like um, I can't remember his name. Uh, was it the Godfather's piece of dude? Not Herman. Herman Cain. Oh, right. Herman Cain. Yeah. Herman Cain is yes. black. Uh huh. That mean, that does not mean he has any goodwill in his heart towards black people. So just because you are of the the LGBT plus community does not mean that you automatically get a pass for being a decent person. Right. And I feel like that's kind of the platform that Mayor Pete wants to run on. Like, hey, look, guys, I'm white and I'm a man, but I'm gay. I'm part of the community, so I'm different. Uh, okay. I'm different. And, and I think, Pull I think up to the scene with my syllabus. But I think I think and I think there is there's kind of like a, like a, a danger to that though, because like you know it's one of those things like I'm being presented as the alternative and I'm safe and here's why I'm safe. But are you really though? Who said he was safe? Well, I mean, but that's what that's the the narrative that we were just talking about the narrative and what the actual well people people have brought out the receipts as to why he's a danger. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that, you know what I'm saying? It's a whole bunch of good mainstream people, you know, a whole bunch of good 
I guess for lack of a better word, privileged people, people who, you know, sit in their privilege and don't really understand people outside of that privilege who, you know, like him. He's good optics. He's gay. He's got a husband. I mean, like, that's just military veteran. They're beautiful together. Right. Like it's a narrative that they like. So it's not about that. It's the idea of Pete that they like more than actual Pete. Mm. But the crazy thing is in this country as a person and your policy, you can run on an idea that has no actual substance, but it's got a whole lot of style. Mm. So can I ask a question? And if you want to move on, that's fine. Do you think the United States of America, as it stands right now, is prepared? I'm not saying specifically Pete Buttigieg, but if hypothetically, I'm not going to even do that. We'll just say, do you think America is ready for a gay man, woman, or, you know, trans, or however you want to work? Do you think America will be ready for president that is not cisgendered to be commander in chief, person to be commander in chief? Right now, Bernie, Elizabeth, and Joe are who is leading the pack. So I just feel like, you know. (laughs) I feel like America is ready for anything um, until it's there. And then they realize, like, actually, I don't like this. Right. Right. You know, right now. Right. So right now (laughs) people are like, oh, Mayor Pete is the shit. And then they get in, you know, if he were to be elected to the office, then all of a sudden you hear people throwing out all kinds of, you know, F-bombs at the very least. Um, And then it's just like, oh, wait, we I thought we were accepting of the community now and. Just like we were post-racial with Obama. Pete would be the absolute worst thing that would happen to transgender women. Is is this is this since uh uh No I'm Kate saying Pete as president Pete as president would be the absolute worst thing that happened to transgender women because what would happen is he would get in there, everybody be like, Oh my god, look at this, you know what I'm saying? We're post whatever for that would be, you know, transphobia, you know, we're, we're post we're post homophobia. And the way it would manifest itself is this huge homophobic, transphobic backlash that would, you know, happen in, you know, individual acts of violence on the street. So let's fast forward this a little bit. Could we could we put could you say then uh, like Slim, could you say you could potentially see like uh, hi- hypothetically speaking, if Mitch McConnell is still somehow in office? You know, we'll flat fast forward like uh, maybe six years. Mitch McConnell's still in office. Mary Pooh Judge is now Buddha Judge is now president of the United States. Could you see the argument that it's uh, well, we, we we've uh, we've addressed our original sin of our harshness or our, our intolerance towards um, the LGBTQ plus community? Uh, we elected a, a homosexual president. Do you see that 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 could be the argument that Republicans can make? for their stance on well you know there's a lot of stances in public. I believe that is always going to be the argument for anybody who's who have experienced any level of privilege or advantage for any period of time and do not want to be held accountable for the privilege that they own that's just always going to be the argument like it doesn't matter whether or not you actually enslaved someone. It doesn't matter whether or not 
you actually raped and separated families. What does matter is that the genetic trauma that was inflicted upon all those people and the what are you doing? Plosives. Uh, and the genetic benefit, the genetic largesse, because like, you know, not, not to cut you off, but like we talk about trauma, but we don't also talk about benefit. You know, like if you were not enslaved, if you were not subject to Jim Crow, you know, you have a better chance of having been well nourished. You know what I'm saying? And not exposed to toxic environments in ways that means that you're genetically healthier. You're genetically less stressed than, you know, people of color. So you add all of that together and you've enjoyed this privilege and you want to be able to just sweep the past under the rug because you don't want to be accountable. We're not holding you accountable for what was done. We're holding you accountable for making the changes based on what still exists, mm -hmm. based on what's still occurring, the experience that current people are having. We're holding you accountable for things that you could actually change, for things you could actually have a positive impact on. And I think as long as people have enjoyed something that's existed and they have not known anything else <laughs> besides what they have enjoyed, they're going to always look for an out. They're going to always everybody likes a panacea. Everybody loves everybody wants one thing that you can do fixes everything that solves all the problems. And there's never one thing. There's never one problem. <laughs> there's never one problem. It's always a collective of things that have occurred mm -hmm. that cause a status. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing with solutions. Um, I, 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 that's an audio term. OK. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand that Lee is simultaneously participating in the podcast and uh, doing sound monitoring and things like that. So he's trying to give us signals. Um, but I do not have the skill of being able to focus on what I'm saying and receive another stream of communication at the same time. Um, I'm very singularly focused uh, when I'm making a point. So if Lee say something to me, all of y'all going to know what he's saying. <laughs> that's, that's the way that works. So maybe the next thing we next time, just like pause the recording, like put a break point in and then like talk, tell me. So like here. And then, yeah, like you can edit all of this out. No, I'm, I'm, I'm right far now. too entertained. So, well, or you can leave it in, yeah. but this is going to happen every time. I'm just letting you know. I don't have the multitasking does not exist, by the way, for anyone. Scientifically, it, it does Thank not you. exist. So anybody who tells you that multitasking exists, they they're are selling a you a bill they're of a Your brain is, they're your a brain is just strobe lighting between activities. Yeah, yeah. You can you're get, not doing anything great. No, you're not. <laughs> no. But yeah. So I, I can see a world where, you know, the same thing that happened with Barat was like people trying to say, yeah, we uh we atone for slavery, for Jim Crow, for all of that stuff by electing Barack Obama. The same thing would happen. Um, I the, the only thing that would be different would be if the more outspoken uh, young congressional elected officials keep pushing, because the bottom line is things don't change unless you make people uncomfortable. That's the only way things change. And for me, it doesn't even really matter if you agree with AOC. And uh, the other young um, representatives in Congress, 
the squad. Yeah. What matters is that they're trying to push a more progressive position to get us back mm-hmm. to what I believe would, was a true center. Yeah. Because right now we don't have a true center. Like the, the government, we have a populace that has gone mm-hmm. more progressive, but we have an elected government that has gone more conservative. And so as a, to the left of conservative it, at this point, and as a, yeah. as a result or, or to the right of conservative. So as a, yeah, resu- I'm sorry to the right of conservative. Apologize. As a result, the center has moved to the right and everybody is speaking as if people who are, have progressive ideas are extreme. They mm-hmm. haven't moved. The center has moved. And mm-hmm. so we need people to push and make folks uncomfortable to get everybody going in the right direction. Because the bottom line is the concept of everybody having health care. That's not radical. It's not new. It's not. It's just not a at it's all. Not, it's not extreme. Yeah. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. So the fact that people would talk about it in the context that it's extreme, that should tell you that the center has gone too far mm-hmm. to the right. So in Europe, it's essentially as old as the end of World War Two. You know what I'm saying? Like there are three generations of people in Europe who have grown up with everybody having health care. So the reality is, as far as first world nations are concerned, that is not a thing. And there are so many nations on the list of nations that actually have socialized health care that it's actually embarrassing to know that places like I want to say like Rwanda and Namibia have uh, health care for everybody. But we don't. I mean, like that shit is embarrassing. This is another. Rwanda is also tr- primarily run by like a lot of women at this point now. Yeah, we uh-huh. discussed that before, so that probably has something to do with it, uh, because a lot of the men died in the Rwandan genocide in the '90s, so the women were left to pick up the slack, and they have a government that now reflects that. There's a lot more women participation in Rwanda. You were saying. I was saying that this is an unpopular opinion, um, but this is another reason why I am actually happy that election seasons have gotten longer because when you really think about it, one of the reasons Barack Obama actually got elected was because of an extended election season. If the election season was, was shorter, he wouldn't have had time to knock Hillary uh, down the way he did over time. It took that time. The longer an electric seat an election season, you are going to have people who get exhausted. But I don't think you make something shorter because people are lazy uh, as far as their regard mm-hmm. for the political season. People are supposed to be engaged. You want to talk about America and you want to talk about your civic duty. You electing people that are making laws and changing legislation that impact your life. If you want to be lazy and feel like election season is too long, that's on you. My job is to know these people. And know uh, their policy perspectives and what kind of laws they want to enact. So a longer season gives you more time. We're saying all this stuff about Pete Buttigieg, right? This gives people more time if they're going to do the work to fully vet this guy and fully understand and whatever's there in the substance. And, you know, maybe in a shorter election season, somebody who has a lot of style points and can just dazzle people you know, with vi- with the visuals and a narrative that stands on the surface, they can slide through. But if they don't have the the substance underneath, you don't have time to catch it until they're already in uh, elected office. Um, so this is good. I think you 
primaries in an extended election season is all about trying to get the best candidate you can, right? Sorry. Sorry. And then, and then you know, we can once we get the best candidate we can get out of whoever's available, we turn our attention to the real objective, which is to get this orange ass clown out of the White House. It was the most important thing. Then we can at least get politics back to the regular disgusting politicians that we can't trust. Let's let's at least get it back to that level. Right. (laughs) So that we can move in a positive direction from there. We took a massive step backwards as a country with this guy exposing all of this racism that was just there. Mm hmm. But people were feeling people like people felt emboldened. It's kind of like R. Kelly. That, how, it's pe- like, like we, oh, you're going to let us get away with letting this do? Like, uh, now we can do what we do. Stuff die when you don't feed it. And all I'm saying is <coughs> Trump got elected, and there's a lot of people who were having to keep their stuff and their feelings and all their racist BS. They were having to keep it on lock. And that's one of the ways over time, eventually, society gets more and more intolerant of intolerance <laughs> and, ev- and it dies the death of atrophy and like Donald Trump just like gave a huge infusion of like nutrients and all of this stuff to racism that was already there and so fed it and now like it's it's awake and it's eating and it's openly feeding again and that's a step backwards that's a massive step back and, and- I want to say it's not just words, though, like, you know, people talk about racism as if it's not an inherently violent ideology. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like from a policy perspective, it is violent because it says these people are not entitled to these tax dollars and these people are. And the people who are entitled to the tax dollars are usually people who don't need any extra help. You know what I'm saying? Usually the people who they're saying aren't entitled to tax dollars need all the extra help they can get. It says that these people over here don't need to be policed and these people need to be extra policed. It says that because these people need to be extra policed, it's okay if we kill a few innocent unarmed ones every now and again, because, you know, just by nature, the whole population is violent and aggressive and dangerous to us. So I don't think we really talk about how racism, sexism, like all of these policies aren't just, you know, not pretty or ugly or, you know, words that you just be like, oh, you know, that's a fucked up thing to think or a fucked up thing to say. They actually have actions behind them, either passive because, you know, they are policies that the system carries out. So no one individual has to take responsibility for them. Or, you know what I'm saying? We get individual acts of violence that people are either emboldened to commit or and or then excuse for committing. So, you know, it's not just that we want to get back to a normal where we have, you know, this kind of like civil discourse and, you know, the news isn't always looking like the onion has taken over the actual news. But like we actually need to get to a point where people can start to feel a little less inherently unsafe and maybe sometimes relax a little bit and feel like, oh, I might not get killed today just because I am who I am. And there was that. (laughs) (laughs) Look, everybody's looking at me. I'm like, is something something behind me? No, just just you. To the snake. (laughs) No, see if you ask me. 
Yeah. Something to add. Yeah, any additional smoke that you might want to, to add to that? I think uh, Christy handles the smoke quite well. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. So I like the fact that uh, Kamala Harris, you know, some people call it playing dirty. I mean, I, she she used real facts about her own history and she used it to her own political advantage. I, I'm not mad at that. Um, I'm not mad at that at all. Uh and I appreciated but, her, sorry, her justification of it that no, this wasn't playing dirty. We were in a debate. Yeah, this came up. Exactly. I addressed it. So, you know, everybody feels like you gotta handle uh Joe I was about to call this to Joe Budden. Um <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe Biden. Yes, that makes more eh, I don't know. <laughs> I like you gotta handle, you know, Joe Biden with these kid gloves because he's like, you know, Number one stunner, huh, 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 huh. Nah. but no, I, I I agree with her. It was an, it was a debate. So sorry, I jumped right. I jumped in your your no, sphere. It's all good. I'm saying beat beat that dude up. This is the time. I, I if he gonna be the nominee, recover from it. Yeah. <laughs> if you gonna be the nominee, and and not only that, but put a good spin on your narrative. So when we start asking you about your actions as a prosecutor, you could be like, but Joe, exactly. Yeah, I, instead he was standing on the stage like, "What? I, Why y'all talking about me?" Yeah, I, I, look, he's still standing there. It's me, <laughs> Uncle Joe. <laughs> I'm gonna keep shaking these people's hands. I'm not trying to do this interview. I'm gonna just, I'm okay. I don't have time for the interview. Look, I'm shaking all these people's hands. <laughs> I'm not gonna come off the stage either. I'm gonna yeah. stand above these people instead of getting down here with them. But there's so many hands. Let me just keep shaking them. I think. I'm Joe, sorry. Meanwhile, <laughs> Marion Williamson <laughs> photoshopping herself in. <laughs> <laughs> they just it was Kamala Harris uh, I think it was like Kamala Harris Elizabeth Warren it was like three or four people that were meeting and she was not invited to the cookout but she said you know what there's a picture in this picture and I am going to photoshop my picture into that picture y'all will invite me goddamn. <laughs> I love this crazy bitch she crazy as fuck who the hell does that that's right, girlfriend. But you know what? I think <laughs> the reason why I like her is she didn't do it just for the sake of doing it. The headline actually read, meet the women candidates. And she was like, wait a minute, y'all motherfuckers can't count. Let me help you out with this. And so uh, I feel like, like... Yeah, I am a woman candidate. I love, look, I love Marianne Williamson because her whole... And she has stated it publicly. I'm here to troll for progressive policies and ideas. And she was basically trolling the motherfucking publisher. Like, look, did you forget that? Like there is actually another woman and I may be a hippie dippy snowflake, but like, I got like 9 million followers. So like get your whole entire life because <laughs> I didn't got my people to contribute to another motherfucker's candidacy so that he could get on this stage. So let me tell you who I am. Cause I am Marianne Williamson and motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? Know me from Oprah, so fuck Joe and his Barack Obama cookout invite. I lunch with Oprah. That's Next. right, girlfriend. <laughs> so I, I just want to say that with regard to Joe Biden, I'm going to be watching this very closely. I thought the way he seemed to chuckle and laugh when people were throwing shots at him reminded me of how Hillary reacted when Brock started to pick up steam in the first uh, primary run. Almost as like, who are these people to be challenging me? Don't they know who I am? Which, and I which think for like, loving, hmm? I was gonna say for loving hip hop fans, that is a very Joe Budden behavior too. Mm -hmm. 
I just, I just, I just think, uh, I think that type of that type of tone deafness and in, in terms of your your body language can can play against you. And I think Hillary again. One, I think there are a lot of factors as to why Hillary lost both elections. But I think Hubris is definitely a consistent factor in both election runs. I think she was arrogant and entitled in both runs, and I think they did her no service as a result. Um, but I agree that her hubris was a massive factor. I do think the biggest factor was people cutting off their nose to spite their faces by how they voted <laughs> or not voted. <laughs> I think that was the biggest factor. But Hillary Clinton is one of the, the most unapologetic politicians that I've ever seen. And, you know, I do think I can understand the psychology behind it. I'm not, you know, a mental health professional uh, like T. Rich. Um, but I can understand when you grow up a certain way and her being a woman who has always been very ambitious, has always been seeking something more and something higher to be intelligent and brilliant as she is and to constantly be hitting the roadblocks that you run into as a woman trying to do something in a man's world. That some people just develop certain characteristics as a result of that. And part of that is thicken up your skin, get tough, and don't apologize for anything you do. And that's not me making an excuse for her because I think it's wrong. It's an assessment. <laughs> yeah, that's just an assessment of okay. like how a person arrives at that point. You know what I'm saying? Some people, a lot of people have different things that they experience, and the end result of them, you know, becoming stronger of it is going too far in an extreme to one direction or the other. Right. And I think she just like she fails to be able to apologize for things that she's done and said in her past, not acknowledging her own humanity in the process. And I think if you uh -huh. can make yourself human by recognizing that not only are we allowed to change our minds specifically if we get new information, but that we can learn from things that we've done that may not have been uh, absolutely correct in the past, but they can, that can make us better and can tie mm -hmm. us, you know, to the people who are voting for us, who are people like we are. So I, she, I don't think Joe Biden is like at the scale of Hillary, but I do agree with you that that same characteristic, you can see the characteristic there. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be a problem for him. But see, Joe has something else working against him. He might not be at the same scale and that's, that's arguable and it's not something I really care to argue. Yeah. But what he does have that Hillary does not have and she did have it but not to the scale that Joe has it, is the ability to say some wild stuff that you got to really, really walk back. People people have known for a very long time that Joe Biden will say a lot of things out of his mouth and often at the wrong time. Uh, and that could also kind of counter oh, yeah. balance and then He's the him. Gaff King. There you go. He is the Gaff King. We're going to see. We're going to see what it look like. Uh, we we definitely gonna say, but I'm not like I say I'm I am not cutting off my nose despite my face is all I'm saying. Like we we gonna end up with somebody running against Donald Trump. <laughs> Whoever I mean, that I think probably is. one of the best things to come out of Hillary's failed runs is the idea that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds rude when you say it like that. Abject failure. Absolute failure. Right. It's just this idea that the Democratic Party, the leadership of the Democratic Party cannot push on the people who they think should be the nominee. 
and the expansion of the field. And part of that also was probably just looking at how it was 800 motherfuckers that were running when Trump decided to run. And so the Democrats have just said, you know, since we're looking at new blood and people are trying to do things differently, like, hey, I'm going to throw my hat into the ring, too. Why are we the Democratic Party just limiting ourselves? And I'm not speaking as a Democrat. I'm not. Um, why are we limiting ourselves to just like, you know, having like three or four people and run? the same people that everybody the knows. The same people. That's a very good point. Over yeah. and over. Yeah. It's another and, thing that a good extend, a lo- extended election season gives you is time to get to know newer candidates. Right. It's a wider field. And and then people drop out, uh, you know. So old dude who was trying to bang up on, on Biden dropped out. Can't I can't remember his. It's not really important. Now. Was it the dude who kept talking about you yeah. can't say socialism and you can't be? Oh no, they passed the, the torch. The, okay, yeah, he the, dropped. The he dropped guy. out, and yeah, and then the next day, somebody I think somebody from California jumped in a race. Uh, the the next day, so you know we're, we're uh, back uh, to twenty four. Musical uh, chairs. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's gonna be like this for a while, but you know, it's costly. It's a toll to, to run these politics, man. It's not just money. Because you got to have a lot of hats and a lot of handouts to catch a lot of money, whatever, a lot of favor and all that stuff. But it's a toll to run for that long, for something you might not get. <laughs> so uh, I think a lot of people will drop out sooner sooner than later. I don't think a lot of people are going to make it into the 2020, uh, the year 2020 still running. And that's cool. You know, a lot of people want to be vets and end up doctors. So, you know, a lot of people want to be wives and end up hoes. And everybody want to be a nigga, but nobody want to be a nigga. There we go. And on that note, we gonna put bow on this motherfucker, and uh, oh, call it a day. So thank you all for joining us today. Oh my god. Uh, Wrapping up, me, T. Rich. That's double. Also known as Mike Drop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lee Bennett the Third, aka Da Vinci Parks. Hey Savage. All right, so take care of yourselves, take care of each other, wash your legs. <laughs> Still, especially in the summer, it's hot. Oh, yeah. Just as a, a quick PSA, please also remember to like subscribe to us. Uh, go to the website, flashblackradio.com. Subscribe. Subscribe to our Facebook, Twitter, IG, all that stuff. And, you know, feedback. We love it. Interact with us. We're here. Stay blessed, stay woke. <laughs>